Greetings and welcome to the Pure Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman. It is time to bring the orange with our special guest today, Mr. Peter Eicher, who is our senior PMM for vertical analysis and strategy. Peter, welcome back to the program. We had you back on when you were uh, running data protection and now you are living the world of emerging verticals. Great to have you. Yes, I am. Hey, Rob, great, great to be back on the program uh, in, in a totally new role. Uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a shift. I mean, I've spent so many years just focused on, you know, one sort of area of, of storage or, you know, software or whatever, data protection. And now I've got uh, a vast landscape open in front of me, uh, you know, covering essentially all our technologies across the board, you know, focused uh, on a, with a vertical spin. So it, it's been kind of fun. Yeah, something new is always good, and and I assume you haven't forgotten all the good things about data protection that you've developed over the years, right? <laughs> I I haven't been tested much on it lately, but uh, I probably I probably can still do it in my sleep. Yeah, <laughs> I would imagine you were doing it in your sleep when you were doing it too. Not to say that you were sleeping through the job, but uh, you were doing so much, and you established a really good foundation for us. Uh, before shifting into this new role, what has it been like? You know, at Pure, we have some really established vertical foundational areas, you know, healthcare and financial services, public sector, and life sciences, of course, but you really have free reign. You're going out and mm -hmm. looking at what are those exciting new areas that dovetail and mesh really well with, with Pure's technology. It's, it's kind of limitless, so you have to really focus in on certain areas, but what did you discover through that process? Yeah, I mean, my, my goal is really to kind of, you know, pick up an area, sort of get it off the ground and then, you know, move along potentially to the, to the next one, you know, uh, at least get some bare minimum of messaging around it or, or, or even, you know, the thought process of where, how do we fit in this vertical, right? Because that's the important part. I mean, the messaging comes after that and it's just doing the work, right? Uh, the harder part is doing the research and, you know, looking at what we've done in a given vertical and figuring out, hey, why are we so effective at X? right? Or not, right? Or maybe it's a vertical where we're not done well and why are we missing, right? So, I mean, so far, I mean, I've mainly focused on the telco space uh, where we've done extremely well as a company, but I, but we don't have much messaging around it, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and the other one I've, I looked at is retail, which again, we've done very well as a company, but we haven't had any specific messaging around it. Uh, you know, utilities is another one, which I haven't gotten to specifically, but I think that's an area too, where Pure has a lot of success, but again, no real message to the audience. Well, let's double click a little bit on retail, because that's why I brought you in to the virtual studio today. Um, and it's a fun one, right? Because I think if you look at retail and, and kind of shopping, right, in general, it's, you know, it's not one of those things where people don't really grasp exactly what it is. Yeah. Everybody, everybody gets what's, what's machine learning, you know, I don't yeah. know, but you, yeah. you know what going to the store is. Yeah, everybody knows what going to the store is. Increasingly, we're not going to an actual brick and mortar store. And that was happening prior to, to the pandemic anyway, right? Just this whole notion of everything moving to digital. But really, when you look at what's happened over the last year, it's magnified the effects of, of what's been happening in retail. And I think the first point that you really uncovered, and let's call it the elephant in the room, is that COVID absolutely accelerated digital transformation. Common theme on a lot of the episodes that we've been doing lately. Why, in your opinion, do you think it's had more impact on retail than any other event in history for retail? 
Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the general consensus as I've been reading different analysts and, you know, yeah. retail focused journals or whatever. I mean, everybody, you know, the, the line you see over and over is like, you know, 10 years of change in 10 months. Uh, I would say it's more like 10 years of desperate attempts at change in 10 months. You can't do it, right? You can't do 10 years of change in 10 months. It's not possible. Uh, but it's certainly changed the, uh, you know, the focus of a lot of retailers and, you know, for the, and it's also been for some people, it's for some companies, it's actually been wildly successful. They're doing better than ever. Right. And that tends to be like the supermarkets because people stopped going out to eat you know, they went and bought food and the, the big box stores, because they were allowed to stay open. Right. At the expense of a lot of the more niche or, or, or you know, single purpose stores, which all had to close or at least not, you know, for long periods of time and whatnot. Uh, so it's been devastating for some restaurants, right? Restaurant chains, terrible hotels, right? Which we consider part of retail, terrible, you know? Uh, so it's been terrible for some businesses, really good for others, but everybody's had to pivot in one, one way or another, you know, and, and it's been that pivot to, uh, you know, much more not brick and mortar ways of doing things, right? How can we get our digital strategy in place? And the thing that the problem with retail is a lot of them hadn't, retail as an industry and there's definitely you know there's always been exceptions there there's some like walmart's been way ahead of the curve for a long time uh target's been you know pretty far out front uh those are the exceptions right most companies were not focused a hell of a lot on it right because i mean if you're a retail company what are you worried about you're worried about advertising marketing you're worrying about making sure you know you've uh you've got the right you know product uh, clothes in, in your store for that that season right what's going to be hot what's not you know there's so many other things you have to worry about uh, mm -hmm. as a retailer that IT was kind of always like a back burner thing. Yeah, we'll throw up a website. We have to have a website, you know, post Amazon, but we're not putting a heck of a lot more effort into it than that. Right. Uh, and now suddenly it's, it's your lifeline, right? I mean, without a good website or ways for customers to interact with you, you know, you were, you were in serious trouble. Well, it's interesting because I, I recall some of the instances in other parts of my career where I had the opportunity to go visit some of the, long-time retailers, and I won't use names, but think of big giant department stores, right? That have massive inventories and multiple locations. And it's almost as if when I went into those places, like you were getting into a time machine and going back 20 or 30 years, <laughs> yeah. right down to the way the, the, the cubicles were designed and the types of buildings, like everything just seemed old. And then we would start talking IT and man, things also were old, right? I mean, it, it was yeah. the notion that you could get by with just good enough. Mm. Now, I think it's been kind of a kick in the pants to some of these, you know, sort of legacy, let's call them legacy because we use legacy for IT, but some of these legacy retailers are realizing that they have not made the investments in IT to stay current. Um, and it even brings up something like social, right? I mean, so much of what you do yeah. to influence potential consumers these days is what your social strategy is. And it was funny, I, I popped up on a meme online the other day. It was, it was, I forget which one it was, but you know, it was like, oh, so you don't have a well-developed social strategy, then please tell me how you're going to stay relevant in this current era. And, and so you're hit with this kind of, you know, two issues at one time, which is legacy IT and no social strategy, which leaves you kind of in the dust of other places that have pivoted or already been there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's definitely been you know the impact of the the social influencer, right? Has mm -hmm. increased more than ever, and part of that is because of the way you know what people do has suddenly shifted, right? All of a sudden, everyone's cooking at home like we never did, or people are doing do-it-yourself projects who never did, right? Uh, 
and they don't know how, right? I mean, I mean, I live in New York City, the capital of I don't cook, right? I mean, I'm a cook. I cook at home, you know, a lot. But I mean, the famous thing is what was it? Uh, Sex in the City, right? Where Sarah just, Jessica Parker used her oven to store shoes because she never, <laughs> she never turned on. And that's you know, it's funny because it's true. You know, there's a there, there's a lot of that, especially in urban centers, right? Now all of a sudden. You know, what choice do you have? You have to learn to cook. So people turn to social media, right? They, for YouTube videos, like how do I make scrambled eggs, right? And, and changing and dressing, right? I'm not going to the office anymore. So what's the coolest, you know, at home sweats I can get, you know? And all of a sudden, the social influence, you know, people turn to them. They, you know, they, they are on their Instagram and they see, oh, you know what? Hey, that's a really cool new chair for, you know, working at home. Let me look into that. And the impact, uh, I think the number I saw was that something like 71% of people said they'd be more likely to buy something if they heard about it from a social influencer. I mean, that's you. I mean, if you, in, in retail, if you're talking about a 70%, you know, customer impact, that's gigantic, you know? Uh, so that became really important. But again, how do you tie into that? You know, it's, it's a marketing thing. Like, does your company have relationships with these social influencers? But you know, that's what people want to do. They want to be on their you know, Instagram and push a button and go buy something. Yeah. 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 Very easy. Easy transactional is really what, mm -hmm. it, what it needs to be. And if you're IT, and I guess, you know, we could sum up this first section and say, you know, our our most retail outfits, and I guess there's a pun intended there for, for my buddy JD, our most retail outfits really prepared for this shift and moving quickly. And it sounds like not really, um, what, you know, what, what do they run into? I mean, these IT departments, we already said have kind of been, you know, maybe left behind or not emphasized, but is it just, yeah. kind of, you know, IT is not ready and there's no money. So where can mm -hmm. you yeah, it's been kind of a, you know, a multiple effect. I mean, Gartner does a survey every year of, you know, all, all industries, right? And they look at, and they sort of chart who's the most ahead or behind the curve in terms of digital journey, you know, as they call it. Uh, not surprisingly, banking and finance is out in front. And even they're not nearly where they, Gartner thinks they need to be, uh, but they're out in front. I mean, hey, they've got the money. They've always been very IT focused, right? They've always been looking, you know, very, uh, into you know banking apps, I think are one of the first things, right? That really started to connect you, you know, to your regular life through the internet. Uh, but retail, if you look at you know Gartner's overall list, retail is actually below the median, right? They're, be they're below average as a, as a, as an industry, again with exceptions, right? For reasons we said before, right? it just never seemed that relevant to doing business. So it was there, you know, the AS400 still running, you know, let's not touch it, uh, you know, kind, of, kind of thing. Uh, and so they, you know, we do see in our customer base over and over that, you know, that we have a small IT department, we're struggling, you know, it's hard to, and now we're suddenly, you know, told, hey, you need to do 10 years of work in a year, you know. And we were barely getting by to begin with, right? We were barely keeping the lights on. You know, that, that, was our, that was our whole charter, right? Make sure things run. Uh, and then again, a lot of companies have, were hit with real revenue losses. So yeah. how do you invest in when there's no money? You know, so it's been a challenge, absolutely, for you know, for retailers, uh, like it's really never been before. Yeah, the whole mantra of good enough is is really falling down um, for a lot of these. And then we, I guess, we have to couple that with where things are going, right? I mean, this digital mm -hmm. transformation that's happened uh, ten years in in ten months there's other factors that are happening, right? If you think about, 
you know, it's a, it's always amazing to see stories about those automated supermarkets. And again, I won't use the I won't use the brand name or the company, but everybody probably knows who that is that's rolling out. But where you you, know, you take an item and you put it in your basket and it it charges you, and you take it out and it pulls the charge off, and then you walk out of the store. Besides the fact that there's an interesting impact on on human uh, interaction and and employment, really what it gets to is more that consumers want to they want to dictate their own journey. They they want to be the ones in control, and it's maybe related to your social influencer thing, right? Is yeah, that the power pulls, is kind of shifting, right? Yeah, it pulls a lot of these things together. Uh, you know, the term you see a lot is omni-channel marketing, which is, okay. you know, you have to be on social. You have to have an app, right? You have to have a brick and mortar store. You have to, uh, you know, have a website. Like, and, and all these things ultimately should all work together, right? Uh, but you see, like, yeah, one of the you know, things that's happening a lot is that self-service, right? A, a higher yeah. self-service component. You do see Walmart's gone very big and they've been retrofitting. Even before, before COVID, they started this. Uh, they started retrofitting, you know, they have thousands of stores, right? They started with a couple of hundred to really turn them into more self-service. They cleaned up their aisle design. They added better signage that they took the ideas from airports. You know, airports are good at helping people find their way around. Maybe not every, I've been to a few airports that weren't, <laughs> but generally speaking, they're pretty good at, you know, you can find baggage claim, right? Because the signage is really good, but, you know, big stores, you know, big box stores, we're not really good at that. Uh, and then you're getting newer things like, uh, and this would have been great when I used to have a house and would go to Home Depot. And you can never find anything, you know, in those big, not just them, right? I'm not singling them out, but all those giant kind of warehousey stores. So now you're getting apps that you can just put in, you know, hey, where are light bulbs? Yeah. And it will show you your store, you know, layout on the app and direct you to where the light bulbs are. I mean, that's amazing, right? Uh, and it actually follows you around the store because it knows where you are, right? Uh, so the things like that, you know, that that health self-service uh, capability is is really becoming important. And again, now you have the element of you know no touch, right? No contact. I don't want to necessarily interact with the with the person because I'm a, I'm worried about it, right? So that's a, yeah. that just became a new a new aspect to it. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it really emulates what we do online already, right? When you want to go shopping for something online, you search on the site and then it takes you where you want to go and it maps everything out. So why shouldn't, you know, big box kind of stores or brick and mortar on-premises, whatever we want to call them, they should have similar form and functionality. And I, you know, my own opinion, just me talking here, I don't think those stores are ever going to go away. I still think there are people that like the tactile engagement model of seeing something, touching something, there's certain things that you need to buy where you, you absolutely just want to have it and see it. Now there's also people like my wife who, you know, sees clothing she likes and she orders it and then it gets it sent off. I mean, we get a bag a day these days from somewhere that she's trying stuff out and she'll kill me if she listens this episode, but she probably doesn't. Uh, and, and then she tries it and just throws it back. And, and yeah. that, that always, that just drives me crazy, right? It's just like, you could just go to the store and try what you want and, and figure it out and then buy what you need. But she, you know, grabs things. And, and so that's more along that, you know, self-service, but maybe also leads to other things. I like that you mentioned that, that you know, the app follows you around the store. Okay. So there's got to be emerging technologies that are helping to enable some of these shifts. You know, there's got to be AI that's coming on board or think about virtual, <laughs> virtual reality, um, you know, yeah. 5G. What have you seen as far as these tech trends uh, that you think will be prevalent uh, going yeah. forward? There, there, the thing is, it's like there's a lot of stuff sort of just on the cusp. 
Okay. Right. Uh, part of it is going to be helped by 5G because of the bandwidth and, and, you know, things moving to edge computing, like you'll have some degree of computing in the store, right, which will be sending data back to some big analytics database. Uh, but there's a lot of, uh, of cool new technologies that are starting to appear, you know, virtually virtual reality or augmented reality, right, is a big one. Uh, you know, I go to the store, I have, and there was a store that did this, I can't remember which one. Uh, and it's some of this stuff tends to start in a more luxury brand category, you know. Uh, so I go to a store and I'm standing in front of a mirror and, you know, I can pick up my app and say, hey, what would I look like in that blue sweater? Yeah. And it's going to show me me in that blue sweater. You know, and I don't really like blue. Let me see it in green. You know, boom. Okay. that. Oh, I like the green. Let me buy that. You know, and it'll tell you exactly where it is, you know, if it's there on the rack or not, if I have to order it or whatever. So that whole immersive experience, and that's becoming another big thing, too, is that, you know, since you can just buy it online, what's going to get you in the store? Mm -hmm. uh, so you're seeing stores being redecorated in more interesting ways. You're seeing, you know, uh, different kinds of buying experiences that, that, that retailers are trying to figure out, right? What can make it more fun to come to the store? What's going to make it a destination for you versus just, I'm going to go online and buy it, right? Um, so you're seeing a lot of that, and all of that is backed up by, by data. Right. Or you have things like in-store beacons, which is where they, they follow you around. You know, if it's, it's opt-in, right? You have the app from the store. You say, yeah, I'm good with this. And you'll start to see as you walk around the store and like, cause they know this because you were online last night looking at blue sweaters, right? Now, as you walk around the store, you're going to see ads on video screens that are going to say, hey, $20 off on blue sweaters or, you know, this blue sweater. And you'll be like, hey, you know, I was just looking at that sweater. Maybe I'll buy it. $20 off today only. You know, it's not today only. It's because you were walking by. Right. And it's going to know that. And all, all this stuff has to I mean, think about all the bits of information from multiple places that have to be pulled together for them to say in real time in the five seconds you're walking by that it's going to show you that ad. Right, so it's enormous amount of processing power required on the back end for that, uh, and then a lot of complexity too between these. Again, this is the omni-channel thing, right? It, it knows, yeah. it knows what you did in all these different places, or even potentially like you were looking at that blue sweater on Instagram, right? You know, uh, it, it can tie that all together ultimately and, and present you, uh, you know, a very very different shopping experience and just aimlessly wandering around looking for something. Yeah, I remember uh, that movie Minority Report came out. When was that? About 15 years ago, you know, and <laughs> showed, showed people walking up and down the streets and the, the digital billboards would change because yeah. it knew who you were and, and would give you different offers and ads based on your preferences. And we're, we're fact, I mean, that was 15 years ago. Maybe my dates are a little bit off, but we are effectively, we're there today. You know, it's just yeah, not yeah. rolled out, you know, on mass or, or massively productized everywhere, but the capabilities there, but you do highlight some of the complexities that go into, you know, how fast that has to happen and, and how the tracking needs to tie, you know, make connections between, you know, you and, and the preferences. Um, last one, and this one, uh, let's say it's moderately controversial, but um, sustainability and sustainment. And, and we did our earnings call, you know, a week or so ago from when we're recording this. And, and it was great because Charlie, our CEO, talked as one of the tenets of Pure around sustainability, right? That things like Evergreen, you know, help reduce, you know, landfill and, yep, yep. and reuse of products. Uh, I would imagine retailers probably fit in the need to have a good image around this, right? I mean, this this does have a heightened conscious with with, uh, people from a social perspective, and I, I think what your research found was they're they're kind of up there in terms of polluters. So they've got to take they've got to take that take that on right now. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's becoming increasingly important. You have increasing numbers of consumers who concern themselves with that, right? If I can buy from company A or company B and I can get the same t-shirt, I'm going to get it from the one that, you know, has a certain level of sustainability and, and that they advertise that they make known. Uh, in fact, uh, I did not know this till just recently that after, you know, the petroleum industry, oil and gas, uh, which you would expect to be a big polluter, like if I asked you, what would you think would be the second? I don't know, maybe you think airlines or something. Yeah. Uh, but it's apparel. Uh, cloth clothing manufacturing is the second biggest polluting, uh, you know, source in the world and the whole cycle, the whole clothing life cycle, right? You know, how much clothes we throw out all the time, right? Uh, and that's, you know, that, that's a really interesting thing since that's so intimately involved with the retail, right? Uh, so it is becoming a, a new thing. You're seeing some startup companies now offering, you know, mailing services that are much less packaging, right? They're specifically designed to limit packaging, right? That's another thing that drives you crazy, right? You order something and it's, you know, a little small little thing and it comes in this giant box you know it's like uh, why was this necessary uh so there's definitely a lot of uh, attention being paid to that you know it's way bigger than it right it's, mm -hmm. it's certainly way bigger than it but very often that's one of your biggest you know at, at, at the at the headquarters right one of your biggest consumers of, of electric electricity uh is your it department right is your is your data center uh, so that's a place, you know, where Pure can really have a big impact on uh, the amount of power, cooling, all that stuff that goes in to uh, keeping the data center running. Yeah, so it is increasingly, you know, that, that it is becoming more important for organizations, for companies to be upfront about that. Right? Yeah, environmental is always, always a big thing and, and sometimes glossed over with some of the other benefits and outcomes that we look at. I mean, that still is one. If you can you know, reduce power space and cooling, there's a, a direct effect on return on investment um, that, that goes on there. Um, relative to retail at Pure, and, and since you've been looking at this for, for a little bit this, this last year, how are we doing in this space, right? With that, I mean, we can't go into you know, revenue details or things like that, but uh, what's the traction like when you've looked at uh, the, the big retailers out there? Yeah, it's actually very, very strong. Uh, Currently, we have, if you look at the 25 uh, largest retailers, you know, Fortune 500 kind of breakdown, uh, Pure has 12 of them as current customers. So that's just a fraction under half, right? And then hundreds of other ones going, you know, I mean, retail, there's so many of them, right? It's not a industry dominated by a few major players like oil and gas or telco or something. Uh, there's hundreds and hundreds of retailers and we have hundreds of them, hundreds of them as customers, including, as I said, about half of the, of the 25 largest ones uh, in the world. So uh, it's definitely an area where we, you know, have some resonance with, with them. Yeah. And it's, again, it's around breakthrough outcomes that we want to try to provide. Let's, let's do a little hot seat, a little rapid fire exercise here. Hot seat. Yeah, let me yeah, hot seat. I know. Take a, get a little stretch, you know, kind of, kind of I, I throw these at, at, at people every once in a while and see, but I, I want to see how good you are and, and, you know, kind of hit on the, the various topics. So I'll hit it and, and add in your two cents on, on what pure does right in this space. Let's get, let's go with the first one. Uh, simplicity, right? Which speaks yeah. to what we were talking about earlier with, with, you know, with staffing and limited resources. What does simplicity or intuitiveness of the product do for these retailers? Yeah, this is, uh, you know, clearly based on you know, looking at our customer base and I looked at pretty much all of them. Uh, that's our number one, I think, value prop for the retail space for all uh -huh. the reasons we talked about, right? Small staffs kind of behind the curve in technology, right? Uh, if we can take that day-to-day -day storage management 
out of their hands, you know, off their plate. I mean, obviously you, you, have, you have things you need to do, like create new volumes for new applications, whatever, but that keeping it running stuff where, you know, they can spend hours and hours and hours and hours a week. And we hear this all the time. I, mean, I went from multiple hours a week, you know, managing my storage to, I don't know, I look at my phone and everything's cool and you know, okay, it's nothing, right? Uh, so saving, uh, saving organizations that time uh, and effort just to keep the storage running is really, really super beneficial for them. And even more so now than ever, because now all of a sudden there's a hundred things on their plate, you know, like, no, we have to do all these new things. Like, uh, okay, I don't have time, you know, 15 hours a week to spend tuning the storage. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great one. And, and interesting that you highlighted as, as the best value prop. And, and again, that's a hallmark of the product. So it's, it's great that it applies really well here. Um, number two, around transaction speed. And I, I got to think back to, you know, people in general have very limited patience when they're online, right? And so I think of times I've been shopping online and if you click on something and if it takes too long, you, you don't just sit and wait, you leave. You go somewhere yeah. else. Oh, absolutely. So number two, let's talk a little bit about speed of transactions. And I guess I would couch it as response times. Yeah, yeah, that's been again a major area where we're selling into retails for databases and VMware. You know, a lot of those databases are on VMware, uh, and you know, a lot of it's our great integrations and our ease of use and all that around those platforms. But you know, the transaction speed is really, really important as well. Uh, you know, reducing latency, making sure you're not waiting when you click when you click the button, uh, and also it's also the ability to handle the uh, unexpected. Because retail is weird. I mean, you know, like, you know, around the holiday season, yes, you know, things are going to get busy, right? But in retail, weird stuff happens. It goes back to our social influencers, right? Some big influencer puts a picture of themselves on, you know, online with a, with a purse or a pair of shoes or a, or a new hat or something. And suddenly there's a million people trying to buy, you know, that item. Uh, and this has happened repeatedly. This is not an unusual situation anymore. Uh, and now all of a sudden, you know, your transaction rate goes to the roof. Like, no way for you to know this is about to happen, right? Uh, so we've heard this again and again from customers that, you know, that whatever brand X storage they were using before Pure, like they would get these spikes or holiday time or, you know, and sales, right? Companies have sales all the, and then this business spikes during a sale. And this, you know, the processing would grind down, you know, because they couldn't handle that that spike in the, in the traffic. So uh, they love the fact that pure, uh, you know, that the, the latencies are so good that most of the time it's like, you know, humming, humming along. And when you do get those spikes, they generally have no problem dealing with it. I mean, I've seen, I see situations where, you know, they're talking about, you know, this customer's array was at 110% and it's still running. Like, I'm, I, I don't even know how we do that. Maybe you need to have that as a discussion with some technical person on a future podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, literally, we, we can have our arrays running over 100% capacity and they still keep going, right? They don't even blink. And it's crazy. But, uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff that really can save you as a, as a retailer. You know, the difference between an outage and, hey, you know, sorry, our site's down versus, oh, yeah, you know, just things are humming along. So right. yeah, performance is, is super, super important. Yeah, we have this special knob on our raise that goes to 11, right? This one, this I mean, one goes, we this do, one goes which to is... 11. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's my, again, I, I try to get a fresh movie reference in. So there's your 80s, 80s movie reference of the episode for everybody. That is Spinal Tap. Go check it out. Uh, th these arrays go to 11, uh, similar to that. Um, what you're just talking about also hits a couple of the other points I want to bring out, right? Because there's really it's not just that there's seasonal and spikiness that relates to transactions, but it really comes down to risk. 
And, and there's two facets of that. One is, can you expect the unexpected, mm-hmm. right? So is there ability to plan or to simulate? But the other is, do you, have, do you have the flexibility to scale up and down as needed, which, which is kind of leading me to, to talk about, it seems like the pure one and the, and the combination of pure as a service would be very appropriate for, for those type of spiky and seasonal and unexpected scenarios. Yeah, I think, and uh, you know, we haven't done much with pure as a service in the retail space. Uh-huh. I think again, it's just because as a group, they tend to be a little behind the curve. So they haven't moved into, you know, service model buying. Uh, but I've seen from both IDC and Gartner, you know, they are convinced that as a service is the, is, is the future for retail, right? Uh, and one aspect of that is definitely that seasonality. I mean, you know, like you've got 12 months in a year, you know that, you know, maybe November, December, and maybe somewhere in the middle, you have your big spring sale, right? You know, you've got these couple of months that are maybe 50% more than usual traffic. Now, in a CapEx model, what, what do you do? Well, you have to buy enough storage performance and capacity to meet those, let's say, three, three peak months. But there are nine months that are not peak months. Right? So, you're, you know, it's basically like you're buying a sports car, which you're, and you only need the speed of it three months a year. And the rest of the time, you paid a lot of money for something you don't actually need, right? Because uh, it's just being unused, right? That performance yeah. capability. Yeah. So they're overpaying. On a, on a routine basis for a capacity that they don't need except for certain periods of you know, times of the year. Now, Pure as a service is a fantastic model for that, right? Because you can buy for that, say the nine months of the year, right? You can, you can buy for that capacity, but have the ability to go over that, right? So you're gonna pay, instead of paying you know, peak for 12 months a year, you're gonna pay your normal rate for nine months a year. And if you happen to spike up, you just get a, you know, you get billed at the end of that month for that additional capacity or performance usage, and then you're back to your, you know, your standard rate. So, uh, you know, the potential savings here, I think, for retailers is really pretty significant. But again, I just don't think they, they're not quite in the mindset yet, mm-hmm. you know, of that kind of buying, buying model. But uh, I, I think that's going to come probably sooner, you know, sooner rather than later, because it yeah. makes so much sense for them. It does, yeah. That we have to be some type of cultural shift and and some education that goes along with that, which which dovetails a little bit to my final topic that is very closely related, I think. But despite the generalization that we've made that a lot of these retailers are maybe a little bit behind in IT, have you discovered that some of them have pivoted already to taking advantage of what hybrid cloud and I'll even say as a service provides, but also is there a movement towards cloud native and and container adoption and modern applications, analytics, right? All those modern things that are sort of the next wave, is that starting to pervade these retailers? And again, where where can Pure help? Yeah, I think it's at the point uh, of their, it's starting to float onto their radar. Okay. Uh, and again, this is backed up by, you know, some of the analyst stuff I've been looking at, uh, you know, they're behind the curve again and not out in front of this, like some, like some industries are, but it, it's another thing that's going to make a lot of sense to them and just automation in general, right? Maybe not jump ahead necessarily to containers, right? Just automation. Hey, running things through, you know, Ansible playbooks or a DevOps strategy, right? As they increasingly roll out homegrown applications, they're going to need all these things, right? Uh, 
And that's where Pure, I think, is a, is, is a great fit because it's, it's future-proof for them, right? We already have, you know, this tremendous ability, these integrations, uh, APIs, right? We have extensive Ansible playbooks, Python scripts. We have now with Portworx, right, a great platform for running containers. So maybe you're not there yet, but, you know, move to Pure now. It solves a whole bunch of your problems. And, hey, you know what? When you're ready to make that move to start dipping your, you know, your, your fingers into automation or containers or whatever, hey, you know, not only are we already able to do that, we can really help, right? Whether it's a services you know, engagement, whether it's just, you know, uh, you know uh, all the different guides and whatnot, best practices that we have built around all these things, you know, it, it's already there. So we're ready when you are kind of thing, right? And, you know, deploy pure now, you're going to solve your, you know, your complexity problem, your performance problems, you're going to solve a whole bunch of, of things uh, and then be ready to, you know, start to roll out those other kinds of services when, you know, when you're ready. Yeah, on-ramped modern. And yeah. the last thing I'd, I'd kind of add in is, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the benefits of, of Evergreen, which I don't think we've touched on yet. But if you're a retailer and you have downtime, planned or unplanned, it's yeah. not acceptable, right? You're, you're, yeah. your, your store is down. And if you're doing more and more digital and everything digital, you can't be down. So, you know, the yeah. fact that we can throw a lot of nines of uptime with, with Flash Array, at, uh, at the problem that we measure uh, via Peer One, but also that, that you get, you know, all the ability to upgrade seamlessly and keep, keep the tech modern and, and be sustainable, but also most importantly, avoid, avoid downtime so that you can keep your business, you know, up and running. That's, that's yeah. the most important thing. Yeah, again, again it's a super, it's super important. Uh, we see again and again, you know, what a reason a customer leaves a particular platform is because they had three or four outages in the previous year, you know, they're sick of it. I mean, we've all been in a store uh, when we walk up to the counter and they're like, oh, sorry, the credit cards aren't working right now. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so what do you do? If you have cash, maybe you pay with cash. Maybe, I mean, I've seen people just put something down and walk out, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to wait, you know, I'm not going to, whatever, I'm out of here very, very bad. Or even you go to the website and it's like, you know, we're down for maintenance this weekend or, you know, but I want to buy something at 3 a.m. on a Sunday. Why can't I? You know, because there's this defined maintenance window when everything goes down. So, you know, with Pure, you don't have to worry about those things. I mean, the uptime yeah. is amazing. Um, and also you have no scheduled downtime. So, you know, you, you, get that, you get the benefits of both of those things. And that is definitely critical because, I mean, you could lose not just that immediate purchase, but you could lose that customer for good. Yeah, the future value. Yeah, yeah. so it's very, very important for retail. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, cool. Congrats, you made it through the hot seat. That was actually a lot of fun because we pulled out some other really good and interesting points. Um, sum it up, what you found just around retail and and why you think Pure, uh, let's make something up on the fly here, why Pure delivers the modern retail experience. I, yeah, I did it. I went there. <laughs> the modern retail experience. Uh well, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, we've touched on it, on it throughout. It's like uh, we're, we really have a lot of what, you know, the, the typical retail IT department needs. And, you know, the biggest one of those is remove my storage burden, right? It's yeah. just too, it's too much. I, I have too many other things to do now all of a sudden. I can't spend all this time managing, uh, you know, managing these storage arrays and tuning them and, uh, and playing around with different volumes. I mean, all the stuff you have to do. Uh, that you don't have to do with pure, right? So that's kind of the, that's the major benefit you have right there. And then everything else, you know, you'll just follow along. You'll get, you know, you'll get faster transactions. You'll get amazing reliability. You'll get that future proof ability when you need to move to containers or automation. Hey, we're already there for you, right? Uh, 
So I think it just makes a lot of sense and you get the sustainability, right? If your if your company is starting to look at, hey, you know, we need to reduce power consumption in the data center, you know, hey, we can help you with that too. So uh, it really is a great fit uh, for, uh, you know, for retail and for where, for where a lot of retail is now. Uh, and then going forward, you know, you're, you're going to have just even more data to deal with as you start to roll out, you know, these inter Internet of Things applications and store beacons and virtual reality, right? There's going to be more and more data pouring in to your, to your organization that's going to need to be handled and going to need to be processed as quickly as possible for you to do these kind of next generation, you know, marketing sales uh, type things we were talking about, right? So that perform you know, the performance aspect is going to get even more critical. Right over time, and you know, throw out data reduction as well. Right, our our tremendous uh, rates of data reduction around databases and stuff. Uh, that's a you know that's a sustainability thing, right? It's more environmental if I can fit three, four x uh, logical storage on the amount of physical space. And it's also going to help when you know, as this data volumes really explode in the retail space. Awesome. Well, great stuff. And again, if you're listening out there and you're in retail or an adjacent industry to retail. Uh, this is uh, wherever you are in your journey. I think you know, hopefully you've heard a few nuggets on, on how we can help and we would love to engage. And if you want to read further or learn further, Mr. Peter Eicher, where would you send people? Because I know you've been busily working on getting our presence up in this space. Yeah, the best, the uh, easiest is just go to the website in the industries section. I think it's what product and solutions industries. There is a relatively new retail page. Uh, You'll find a bunch of information there. We have, for example, a uh, flash array for retail uh, solution brief, which really talks about all the things I've been talking about, like not just the flash array as a really cool box, but why it's really good for you in retail, right? Uh, we are gonna also be, you know, we're working on, it's probably a month or two out, but we're working on a, a four part uh, webinar series around retail, around the space, which will have corresponding blogs and all that. So there's gonna be a lot coming in the next few months, a lot more uh, drill down into, into these different areas and, and different things you can consume. Uh, but you can start, you know, start with the retail page today and uh, you know, keep, keep checking back for more. Fantastic, and you can find Peter on LinkedIn. Uh, Peter, that's Iker, E-I-C-H-E-R, if you want to connect and uh, have a further conversation with him about what we can do in retail. Hey, Peter. Great to have you back on the program. Let's do it again soon, eh? Absolutely. Looks like I turned into a, I turned into a Canadian there at the end too with my A's. Yeah. yeah, it just happens every once in a while, even though I'm not. But uh, thank you, Peter. Really fun, really engaging stuff. Uh, hopefully everybody loved hearing about some of the stats and things that are going on in that space. And it will be an interesting one to monitor over the next two to five years and even beyond. Uh, and everybody else out there, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Pure Report. Tell a friend, tell a colleague, and we will keep the great guests like Peter coming on to the show. And with that, we will wrap for Pure Storage. And Peter Eicher, this is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back, something might be gaining on you.